EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or listen online at lifewaypastors.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, um, welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh. I'm joined, as always, with Sam and Micah. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Absolutely Good. fantastic. Good. Well, great. Glad to talk with you guys today. What's interesting about today's topic is we're actually kind of going to live this out as we talk about it. I came into the office on sabbatical. Actually kind of scared my staff. They're like, what are you doing here? But I'm on sabbatical, but I came into the office to do a recording here. I know that, Sam, you're currently on vacay. Where are you at, Sam, right now? I am sitting in a car in Apalachicola, Florida, and uh, my family is off doing whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm going to join them for lunch. So I'm, I'm excited about having some of the best oysters in the world. Mm, sounds good. Ap- I've never had Apalachicola them. oysters. There's People nothing say like they're them. Good. Mm. The Apalachicola oysters are supposed to be a big deal, but I find best and oysters to be an inconsistent logic. But that's just <laughs> me. So that seems like something I would I would agree with you. And Micah, <laughs> although he takes very few vacations and says he forgot to schedule one this year, you did kind of make an attempt at a camping trip that got was cool until it, it was got a blast. rained. Yeah, yeah, we we woke up with water, uh, and our tent doesn't have a leak in it. We just got so much water for about five straight hours while we were camping that. Ultimately, it started. The tent got oversaturated, and water started coming in. So we woke up about five in the in the morning, um, getting rained on inside the tent. It was awesome. Can you sleep while it's raining on your tent? I did. Yeah. Until I mean, it got to the saturation point, and then at some point, I was finally like, you know what? I can't do this I gotta anymore. Get up. I gotta, we gotta get go. Up. So we're going to talk about pastors and vacations and sabbaticals, etc. That sort of thing. Um, we find a lot of pastors don't do this, and this kind of comes on the heels of. Sam, you wrote a post. What was it? Ten um, commands. Command, I read it. The, yeah. yeah, the ten. <laughs> obviously, you read it. I did. <laughs> <laughs> the ten commandments of a pastor's vacation. Yeah, I, it was just on my mind because I was about ready to go for vacation, but people seemed to resonate with it. Yeah, and to prove I read it, my favorite one, or the one I thought was most interesting, was make sure that you, you know, kind of give somebody to call when you're so they don't call you. You say, "Here's the point person for these things." Kind of set up your chain of command when you're out of the office absolutely right. often often forgotten believe it or not yeah um yeah you, you kind of need to do your work the week before so that right. people know what to do while you're gone particularly okay. if you're a lead lead pastor all right so let's talk about this i i um am just now getting into the mode of scheduling i've been in ministry full-time for 16 years six of those now have been a lead pastor and i would have already or usually argued Something along the lines of, why do you need a vacation? Come on. I mean, I don't really feel like the ministry load is too much. I feel like those who say it is are complainers. That's how I was. Now I'm getting into sort of, I need a vacation. I'm finding that I needed a, it was last fall when I asked our elders if I could have a sabbatical because I just felt like I was at the end. I didn't have any more to give. So how often do you guys think 
um, pastors should take vacations. Is there any sort of thumb rule to that? Yeah, I think once a year. I mean, with your family. I mean, like a big vacation. Like, you're going to get away. You're going to be off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you may even miss a Sunday where uh where you know where you're where you're gone for 10 days or so I, I i'd say once a year is a good a good rule of thumb micah yeah so i'm a little so for one i'll just be honest and say this is not something i'm good at i like work i like working a lot and i work a lot of hours and i'm i'm really bad about taking vacations and i have a history of not scheduling a lot of vacations I you know when I have speaking engagements I take my family with me and we turn those into vacations and we're going to do that in two weeks I'm doing a youth camp in Mississippi we've got some friends nearby who own a lake house and so I've got to speak in the evenings we'll go hang out at the lake all week and then I'll speak in the evenings and that'll be fun it'll be a vacation so I all cards on the table I'm not the best at this but I will say for our family we prefer three or four three to four day breaks per year than one or two week or week and a half long breaks per year. Now, I've got some friends who disagree with me, and they take one, two, three. I, I know a couple of people who even take four weeks off in the summer. They take the entire month of July or August off every summer. I can't do that. I like mm. what I do. I, even a week away from me, and I'm ready to go back. I'm bored. Uh, but three days, four days is perfect. And so, so for me, I think of uh, ministry as a series of rhythms, and uh, I think work-life balance is a myth. I don't think you can ever achieve it completely. And I think when you strive for constant work-life balance, you end up frustrated because you feel like you cheat both church and family. I think ministry life is rhythms. It's ups and downs. And when you have really busy weeks, that's a frustrating sometimes, but it is what it is. When you have really low you know, down weeks, when your demands are low on your schedule, you need to take advantage of that, not be in the office nearly as much. I think a regular pattern of rest and work, rest and work, is the best way for us to handle our our our, um, our volume of ministry and our and our time off. So, all that to say, we you know we're real good about maybe in the fall or in the spring. We've got some friends who own a cabin in the mountains. We'll run over there for two nights and three days. Or like mm-hmm. Tracy and I, we realized we didn't schedule a vacation this summer. You know we're going to go do that speaking engagement, but it's not really a great time to get away. So I've I looked and I've got some frequent flyer miles. Tracy and I are working right now. We're going to take a three night four day trip in October where we just go somewhere and you know use some frequent flyer miles and get away. But just the two of us without kids. That's normal for our pattern. Two or three four times a year, getting away for maybe two nights or, or one or two nights something like that and getting a break. You you brought up something that I really want to talk about because I think this is I think sometimes I'll just be real honest with you. I think sometimes pastors abuse their position. We have a lot of freedom. We're the boss. We get to do kind of what we want to do in most settings. And so let's let's be honest about this or, or kind of raw about this. I know some guys as well that will take off the entire summer. They don't preach. They're not in the office every summer. And I get that ministry is stressful, but arguably it's no more stressful than being a doctor or a banker or, or a teacher or something. Well, maybe teacher's not a very good example for what I'm trying to go at here. But should we take off? total like every summer two months what there's nobody in our there's nobody in our congregation that can do that yeah it's it's a double standard Uh, no you should not do that i mean you if if the whole congregation decided to follow the pattern of the pastor in that way um i think most i mean they kind of do from church attendance but not from their job (laughs) well i you know i i don't i don't think you should i take one sunday off a year typically as far as a vacation Sunday, sometimes I'm speaking and I'm doing different things. I may be away three, maybe four Sundays a year at most. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been plenty of years where it's just one or two Sundays. And then one of those being a vacation. 
Um, I, I've always wondered the the reasoning behind taking a whole summer off from your church. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't think in, I don't I don't I don't think you should do it. Yeah, I don't think you you should either. But I think the majority of our listeners that would be an unfeasible concept <laughs> yeah. for them as well. I mean, the folks who do that are typically at churches that are larger churches. They have bigger budgets. They can afford to bring in guests all summer. They've got staffs. Mm-hmm. You know, the average pastor is not doesn't have the the option of taking away four I'm weeks, about, let alone the whole summer. I'm talking about churches in in our area. There's a bunch of them. And because this was the first time I had ever considered the idea of a sabbatical. So I started asking around and saying, how long do you take? You know, uh, when do you take them? Every kind of seven years, six years. I found more than one smaller church pastor who takes at least one month a year completely off. More than one of them. And then I found a couple that take three months. I found a huge number of pastors that never preach the entire summer. Good I'm talking about mind. dozens that never preach the entire summer. They're just I, gone, and they're I not think paying your circles, anybody. Your your circles must be unusual because I think I think we've yeah. got a lot of list. I, I think we've got a lot of listeners that are saying, uh, particularly our bivocational listeners who are like vacation. Yeah, what's right. that? Yeah, yeah. Right. exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, well, I, well, I, think, I wanted I think to kind of push ex- back on that concept. I think your anecdotal experience is odd and is out of the norm. I I, I know of a few pastors who take a, maybe a month off or something like that, and it's generally. A larger church, and I would say, mm. in general, I don't know that it's the wisest thing. But if it's something that you and your church agree to, and they're fine with it, okay, I get that. I don't want to do that. I mean, I, I love what I do. I mean, I'm probably out of the pulpit four to six Sundays a year, mm. and I've been here a year this week at Brainerd as the pastor, and I think I've been out of the pulpit one Sunday over the last year for personal reasons. So I'm out of the pulpit four to six weeks a year, but you know, two or three of those weeks are. Um, being gone on mission trips or speaking at an event somewhere or something like that. So I, to me, that's the norm. But I mean, here's the thing guys. Like I, I I mean, you guys are this way. I don't want to be out of the pulpit that much. Mm. Like I love what I do. I cannot imagine being away from my church for three months. Like I just, I cannot fathom that. Like that's the group of people (laughs) that I love. That's the people that I'm called to lead. And three months away from, from my church. I mean, they're, I would be, man, I'm ready to get back after like two weeks of vacation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't imagine the whole summer. It just yeah. doesn't, it, I, it doesn't, I, I know I'm not making It good, doesn't compute. It doesn't compute in my head. Yeah. Like I'm trying yeah. to like reason and figure out why, why someone would do that. I literally cannot think of a reason why anybody would want to do that. I get, yeah. and I like that you have a heart argument for that. I just have a, a um, character problem for that. If I'm getting paid for a full year and I'm right. only working three quarters of it, that, that bothers me a little bit there. And so... Um, that that's kind of an issue. Now, I will say this: I'm out of the pulpit. I don't preach right at eight weeks or so a year, but most of those, probably six of those, I'm still in the congregation. We just have multiple guys preaching, and I do find I think there. Yeah, I think that's healthy. That, yeah, you're I training there could somebody be up. A difference, right? Yeah, that that's completely different. And so there could be a lot of stress relief for pastors to not preach a week because that's such a huge burden, the the preaching. And if you can give that off occasionally, more occasionally, I think it'll it'll decrease the stress, make it last a little longer. I still do all the office stuff. I'm preparing sermons ahead of time. I like to do that right before I start a new series. I have a whole week to work on kind of the overarching series and things like that. So there's a little slight difference here of taking breaks from preaching, and then you're taking breaks from being around the office, etc. 
So what do you guys suggest? I know you had a whole blog post about this, but what do you suggest on timing? Let's start there. What's the timing? What's a good season? If somebody's saying, I haven't taken a vacation, I, I can. Our church will allow it. When would be a good spot to do that? I know everybody does summer, but is that what yeah. y'all feel? Yeah, I think there's two kind of – and understand, church, all churches are different. So our, our church is different only because um, we have season. This is what we call season with our snowbirds. And so, you know, uh, January, February is crazy for us. But um, just because our attendance increases 20% with the snowbirds being down there. But I think for most pastors, right around the beginning of the year, like the week after Christmas is is a good time. Um, mm-hmm. Because Christmas can be so busy, but typically not a lot happens that first week of the new year in most churches. And the other time is, you know, at the time of this recording right now, it's, you know, it's July 4th week. I think uh, vacation for pastors right around, right in the middle of summer, you know, July 4th week's a good time to do it. Just, just because um, it's, in my experience, not a whole lot happens, you know, July 4th week either. So I, the thing to do is to time it to where it's a lull in your church where it's a natural kind of just place where there's not a whole lot that happens usually i think taking a vacation when times are busy is uh it sends the wrong message to your church so i would try to pick a time when when there's just not a whole lot going on in in your congregation so between thanksgiving and christmas don't don't do that not the time yeah and if you're one of those people like you've got to have vacation time thanksgiving to christmas and you have to take that off i mean is ministry really the right calling for you? Pastoring may not be your field. That's, yeah, that's a it's, time it's just not. It's just not going to work because it's so busy during that time. What about yeah. you, Micah? Well, I, I, in general, I agree with what you guys are saying. I, I would say a couple things. You know, you can do. One, um, I, I try have I've tried for a while now to go back and track attendance week by week. Uh, usually, I try and keep about a seven year running track um, where, where I can overlay seven years worth of attendance patterns over each other. And so at one glance, I can see, is there year after year after year, a consistent dip in this area? And I use that for two reasons, one for scheduling my time away and two for scheduling specific sermon emphasis. If Mm. they're key major emphasis that I want to preach, that I want the whole church to hear, I go back and I go, well, where are the big peaks year after year after year? And that's when I plan those series. And that's when I never plan vacation, you know, that I want to be away and the opposite is true for the times I want to be away on vacation. Where are the big drops in the schedule? So I would say that. The other thing I think, you know, going back to the Christmas and New Year's, yeah, between, I'm sorry, Christmas and Thanksgiving, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, an awful time to take vacation. Between Christmas and New Year's, a great time to take vacation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a big fan of churches just shutting the office down. We've, we've started doing that last year. From Christmas to New Year's that week, we just shut it down. And it basically allows our people to be out of the office at a time when almost no one ever comes to the church, but it doesn't cost them vacation. It's an easy right. benefit for the church. Yeah, yeah, we do the exact same. We've done it every year. Um, I've been here. We're actually going to, the way we do it is we just save a couple PTO days. Everybody, so you have a set number, but everybody has to spend two of them that week. And um, we're actually going to revamp that to where we just give that to them. That We're mm-hmm. going to be off. They don't have to use their PTO on that. Yeah, yeah that's we, what we, we do. We do the same thing in our I, church. I think it's a great idea. And so if you're kind of listening and maybe you're a single staff church, you're the only staff on there, or you've got one other staff person, or, you know, maybe you're considering a hire for the first time. These are some ways, this would be a way in which you could sweeten the pot a little bit if maybe you don't have enough money to pay, um, you know, as much as you would like to do. What should you do on a vacation? Should you read books, ministry books, all that kind of stuff? Uh, you're away. Maybe it's the time, the only time you can read these books. What do you uh, think? I don't. I You know... 
it's I think it's time that when I'm on vacation, I put down the systematic theology volumes mm-hmm. and I pick up books that I might not otherwise read, particularly books of fiction, classics, even junk that, you know, is just fun. Um, the Burpo know, I, I stuff? What's that? You read the Burpo stuff on vacation? I, I the, don't... Heaven? Burp? The four, oh. the four-year-old that goes to heaven. Oh, good grief! Are you going to? You go said there? Christian fiction. You said uh, Christian fiction. So, I, okay, I this podcast it. just took a weird turn. <laughs> Let's get back took, on topic now. It took that verdict turn. Oh my <laughs> that gosh! We did the last time. We're going to get a mute button for every time that Josh says something. <laughs> We're just going to mute it. <laughs> That's just Josh. I, I read a lot of fiction on vacation because I don't, mm. I, I don't typically read fiction, and I need to branch out a little more. So. Um, yeah, so I'm you know, curious, what what fiction do you read? What's kind of like some that you're reading right now? Um, I, I like I like Hemingway. Of course, I'm a Florida guy, so you know I'm I'm, I'm naturally going to gravitate towards Hemingway. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, just just picking up classics, things like that. Cool, um, cool. Micah, do you ever read fiction? I do. I love fiction. I'm a big John Grisham fan. Um, I would say yeah, John Grisham is fantastic. But here's what I would say: You asked the question, should we read theology or leadership books on vacation? Well, sure, if that's the way you relax. Now, it it might be you want to reconsider how you relax if that's how you relax. (laughs) But I would say, I mean, but yeah, I mean, look, some people, that's the way they decompress. A a, a good rule of thumb, a friend of mine told me years ago that has been very helpful for me, is he said, if you typically spend your life working with your hands, relax with your mind. If you spend your life working with your mind, relax with your hands. In other words, if your job, like for those of us as pastors, our job tends to be a lot of mental and emotional work, right? We're not building things with our hands. And so he said, find a hobby where you build things with your hands, and you'll find that that'll be incredibly stress-reducing. Uh, um, stress and he's right. So I build furniture now. You know, I build tables, and I build bookshelves and that sort of stuff. And I found that that's a great way to relax. But people who work with their hands more often may find that, you know, relaxing mentally is a better way for them to relax as well. Mm. So I think it just depends. What what do you do to decompress? How do you decompress and take advantage of that? That's really cool advice. I'm I'm really into mowing my yard. Like I love taking care of my yard and and all that. And some people are like, I hate mowing my yard. Well, I sit in an office. I read all day. And just getting out and walking around, you know, behind the mower and, and edging and seeing the cleared the fine lines all of that is just really satisfying to me because you take something and you know cultivate it in a way that that works there so very cool so we haven't talked really about what's your favorite vacation spot what's like the ideal vacation let's not go crazy i mean i know you can go all over the world but just what kind of what's your space micah what would be your ideal maybe not a place i would say a lake in the mountains Mm. somewhere around a lake in the mountains that would be our ideal spot but I say that, and, you know, we've got frequent flyer miles, and uh, we're going to go take, I, I told you guys this the other day, uh, a little vacation in October, and we're probably going somewhere with a beach. Sam, where, what do you think? Where, where's your I, ideal? I know you live on a vacation, but where, where's your I ideal? do, yeah. I live four miles from the beach, and you know where we go? The, the beach. beach. Yeah, we just, <laughs> we, of course, we, you know, summertime in southwest Florida gets, it's a little sticky, it's a little hot, so we actually drive north about seven eight hours to the panhandle and uh we're, we're camped out here right now in uh, Apalachicola and uh like port st joe area cape sandblast that's kind of that's that's where we go every year those uh, are my people sam that's where i grew up man i, I, those are my I people. well just north know, of there 
Yeah, it's it's funny because us in South Florida um, look at the Panhandle and say that's not that's not really Florida. That's I know um, they say the same thing. Lower Alabama. <laughs> it's lower Alabama. I used to I used to yep. tell people I grew up I grew up in UCLA, the upper corner of Lower Alabama. <laughs> oh wow! I've never heard that one. I've heard yeah, LA, but I've never heard UCLA. That, that UCLA, the upper corner of Lower Alabama, the Redneck Riviera. It's that's uh, hilarious. It, Hey, listen, it's gorgeous here. It's called the Forgotten Coast. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, check it out. Uh, price is pretty cheap, particularly the closer you get to winter. So if you got, mm-hmm. if you got, you know, if you're a person who vacations sometime in October, that's that's the time to come down here. So, uh, I think, I, I, you know, I'm gonna do a little promotion for Florida simply because, yeah, it's my home. I love it. Sounds good for us. It's large cities near water, so it doesn't have to be a coastline. We loved San Francisco. Jackie liked San Francisco a lot more than I did, but I love Portland. Um, we love going. It's not. It's not you know a beach, but we love going to Austin, large city, a lot of cool places to uh, float the river, cool things to get into that are wet. So that's kind of our deal. Let's shift gears just a little bit here. We're, we've been talking about vacations, and I guess we're assuming there those are breaks from work. What about work breaks? I'm talking about sabbaticals. That's what I'm on right now. Um, taking a, the whole month of July, save a little vacation in the middle of that. What y'all's advice? What should I do? I, I look at these as work breaks, breaks that I've taken away from the office to do some work. What's your top advice on a sabbatical? I, I don't take them. You I've don't? never taken one. I have no desire to take one. Mm-hmm. Um, don't quite know why they're necessary for ministry. I mean, I get it. I get the concept. I, mm-hmm. I get what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But I, to me, I, it just it, it's another one of those things that does not – compute so like every six or seven years you're getting away for a month or two i guess um you know if if you had a purpose behind it so most you know if you're talking sabbatical as far as you know the academic world and where that concept comes from you know there's typically a purpose behind it you're going to be writing a book you're going to be you know doing some research or, you know you need a significant chunk of time off in order to go do something i guess mm-hmm. if a pastor is going to go do that like hey i'm i've got some you know, a book I'm going to write or some research I'm going to do, or I've got this idea that I want to explore and I need two to three months to do it. And I'm going to do this every five years. Yeah, that's fine. But mm-hmm. you know, an extended vacation, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, as, as far as, a, cause I think that's what a lot of people, when they hear sabbatical, that's what they think. Yeah. And, that, and I'm running into that here too. I just, I keep explaining. So there's this guy, his name's Tom Rayner. He wrote this list of like these dates that really <laughs> That's help. the way to refute what uh, whatever it is that Sam is saying. <laughs> no, I don't know. I actually have no idea what what Dr. Rainer says about sabbaticals, but there's that list, the year 1 is your honeymoon, year 2 through 3 is your conflict, 4 through 5 is your crossroads. That has been so spot on for me. It's eerie how I don't know where he got it. If he came yeah, up welcome with it to my life. Welcome it. to my entire life. Everything yeah, my dad said. Dad says, knows yeah. best. So I'm on year six, and so I'm in the what do we got here? Fruit and harvest season. I'm I'm right at the beginning of that, and so my thought was I need to get away, rethink the vision of this church through the next season, and I need to stop preaching. I need to get away from the office. I'm reading books that are relevant to that. I'm interviewing all these pastors in the area. I'm actually going to their churches. I want to come back and say what's the next season. Uh, for Saxe's church and so that, that's why I needed to go away and writing the sermons every week and doing the day to day and the office work just keeps me from that so I needed to take it'll it'll amount to about two and a half weeks total of doing that now I'm in the office I answer the phone I'm working that's why I call it a working break not necessarily a vacation but um, it, it's fun it, 
from what I've heard from other people, read just a couple of books, interview a couple of people, that helps with you. Mike, have you heard any good advice on that, or have you taken a sabbatical? Yeah, I have, I've never taken a sabbatical, and I mean, I've kicked around the idea. Um, I, I, I'm probably somewhere similar to, probably in between both of you guys. Like, I, I can see the logic behind a sabbatical, but I don't see a regular pattern of every X amount of years just automatically thinking I'm going to have a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. I think there's an argument to be made that if you get to a certain point and you say, hey, I need an extended time, as Sam said, for specific purpose. Writing a book is a good example, but I think you're providing a good example. I've been here you know, X amount of years. We've done all of this that I kind of intentionally laid out at the beginning, but now it's time for the next season. I need two or three weeks just to get away pray, seek the face of the Lord, interview some people, read some books so that I can sort of lay out and help chart the course for what we're planning to do next. Again, I can see that argument. But again, I don't think those are, you know, building in every six years, we're going to do this. I think it's more of an issue of, hey, in this moment, we've, you know, here, let me, let me prove that we've been here five, six, seven, eight, 10 years. Here's what we've done. I need some time set aside for this specific project. In that case, I'm good with it. And I I understand the logic behind it, but I'm, I'm, I I don't really get the logic behind every five, six, seven years, just automatically saying, all right, we're going to get a month off or six months off, right? Right. Some people even get longer than that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I can see that. And what's what's so interesting is what I'm running into with the mentality of people. They don't – they're not familiar with sabbaticals, and there's a lot of people that are like – and they're supportive and they mean it well, but they'll come up and they'll say, oh, that's so great. You so deserve that. You really need to take – you work so hard and all this sort of stuff. And I try to push back just a little bit. I appreciate the encouragement, but I don't deserve anything. I work and I get paid for that and I'm called to do this. And so I don't really deserve – and nobody, I don't think, deserves a sabbatical because – and here's my last question. Um, I get rhythms. I I love the language of rhythms. You work, you rest, you work, you rest. We see that all throughout the Bible. The Bible tells us to work, rest. Um, You know, you work six, you rest one. Or you work five, you rest one, you worship one, whatever. However you want to break that rhythm apart, I love that. Is there any sort of theology behind vacations? Or is this just purely a 1% type of thing? Is this purely a American <laughs> so here's what dream I would say. idea? There is theology behind work rest ba- you know, work rest rhythms. Sure. There's def- I mean, there's just the concept of Sabbath right. speaks to the idea of working and resting. The concept of uh, the interpretation of that concept as a week-long vacation or whatever the case might be, that does tend to be, I think, a Western, you know, my buddies who are in the third world, my friends who are in Africa or mm-hmm. in Southeast Asia, the idea of going away with their family for a week is something that they could never fathom right? For, because they couldn't afford to go away for a week. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the concept of rest in the, in the rhythm of work is a biblical concept. The vacation time as we know it, you know, that's wonderful if we can do it. And I'm not disparaging it at all, but that's a no. Western concept. Yeah. In my opinion. Sam, you might disagree with me. No, I don't, actually. I, I You know, I work I work six days, um, mm-hmm. and then I, I rest one. You know, my, t- my day off is, uh, is Saturday. Um, that's my Sabbath because, you know, mm-hmm. obviously Sunday is kind of a big day. So um, I don't even, I, you know, I, the whole idea of a two-day weekend obviously goes back to um, – it was before Henry Ford. Henry Ford championed it and it kind of became a thing with uh, um, w- with the way that he was, was doing business. Um, and actually, you know, Jewish people wanted Saturday. Christians wanted Sunday. So, um, you know, about 100 years ago, they basically said, well, we'll just we'll just take both. So even the idea of a weekend is is, a, is truly, you know, last 100-year sort of invention. 
Mm. Um, so same with the vacation, you know, this idea that, you know, you, you need to take time, you know, two weeks away, you know, for July 4th or what have you. Yeah, it's, it's a modern notion. I'm with Micah. You know, you absolutely need rest. You need leisure. Um, you need time with your family. You need rhythms. You need work-life balance. All of that. And, and I think that there is a theology behind that. But, yeah, the, the, the American version or the European version, particularly Western Europe version of a, of a vacation, yeah, it's a complete luxury. Enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with it, of course. Right. I'm not going to knock any. I'm on vacation right now, so I'm, you know, I'm not knocking it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a pure luxury. Uh, enjoy God's common grace and the fact that we even have the ability to do this. Sure. Sure. And I think that's that's something important to think through or to at least I, I just really think there's a couple of thoughts that I have with this. So if you can get a little bit better handle on your week schedule or your weekly rhythms or your monthly rhythms, however it is, I think you won't you'll last a little longer. So I'm a big believer at the end of the work day, whether that's four thirty or five for you, you gotta put it down. And the ministry never stops. You never finish that thing. So put it down. Go home and rest. That's that's my rhythms. It doesn't work for everybody else. Some people love writing their sermons at 10 at night. Also, on my days off, Friday, Saturday, I walk away from it. And I, I, there's systems in place to handle that sort of stuff. I think that's the reason why in 16 years I barely take vacations and I'm not burned out. I, I don't feel stressed out because I have a good handle on that. Other people work six days a week, and that's great, but then they'll build in that week-long vacation to – Decompress. I think that's great. So there's some logic there with that. The big thing that I really want to encourage our listeners with is this. Be careful how you refer to the pastor's vacation or sabbatical or however you, you refer to that. Sometimes we just are so insensitive to the fact that we can walk away from our, you know. I know ministers who can go pick their kids up uh, from school, can drop their kids off, and that's great. That's a luxury. That's a cool thing. Not everybody can just control their schedules the way we do so be careful how we refer to those in those settings any final thoughts we're at the end of the show you guys have any final thoughts on this i'm just gonna enjoy some apalachicola oysters in about (laughs) two hours i'm really excited about that best in the world i hope you do hey want to give a shout out to brian bowman he's the lead pastor at valley life church in tremonto i think that's how you say that it's outside of phoenix it is i preached there about six weeks ago it's a great church Seems like a great church. He gave it's us a kill, it, it's a killer church. In fact, not only is it a great church, he planted it five years ago, and they've now planted three other churches in the last five years, and they have plans to plant multiple other churches. It's really impressive. I just looked at their website. I think maybe they have four campuses now, or something like that. Really well, kind of blowing so, it up. Yeah, what they do is they call them campuses, but they're really almost independent, autonomous congregations. They mm. share a little bit of governance, but they're they're campuses for the sake of helping them to get healthy and large enough to be able to be autonomous on their own, independent on their own. Love it. That's a model we should talk about sometime. It's a great model. We should podcast. have Brian on the show and talk yeah. to him sometime. In fact, he listened to the show last week, I believe. He did. That's why I saw him pop up on Twitter. We appreciate him listening. He is following us on Twitter at EST Church. Also, don't forget, we have launched a Facebook page, so... If you're on the Facebook, make sure that you uh, kind of follow or whatever you do. You friend us, I guess. Friend our our show there. We'd love to connect with you on that front. And uh, we'll see you next week. Appreciate it. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. 
Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the Word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.